Welcome to the Transformational Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Hannah Anam. My mission is to help you lead more effectively and be an agent of positive change in times of disruption. On this podcast, we interview practitioners and leadership experts and have coaching exercises that you can apply immediately to your work challenges. Together, we learn how to achieve success and create workplaces in a world that work better for all. I am so excited today to have Jimmy Parker on our podcast. Jimmy is the Director of Organizational Development at the Home Depot. He loves helping leaders get better at what they do and actually hates bios as introductions because they make him uncomfortable. And the audience usually just wants to get on with it anyway. But Jimmy, since I'm a coach, I decided to help you step out of your comfort zone and (laughs) do the longer bio, right? So take a deep breath. Jimmy has created uh, Home Depot's executive development programs for all VPs and senior VPs in the company. He has over 20 years of experience using innovative techniques to develop leaders, teams, and organizations faster and better than conventional approaches will allow. Prior to joining the Home Depot, Jimmy led a wide variety of roles, including a Marine Corps officer, helicopter instructor pilot, and agile software product manager. He is a graduate of the United States Naval Academy and a master's degree in organizational development. He's now pursuing a PhD in adult development with an emphasis on creating advanced leadership cultures. Wow. And one of the things I love, love, love about all our conversations is how passionate you are on for this topic of leadership development. So let's start by talking a little bit about what are some of the most common leadership challenges that you're seeing now during these times of disruption? Yeah, it's like the question of the hour, isn't it, nowadays, or the decade, you could say, perhaps. I think the first thing that comes to mind is the title of uh, Bob Keegan's book, in over our heads, this notion that the world is increasingly becoming more complex, more ambiguous, change is happening faster and faster than ever before. And I heard a great quote, the pace of change will never be as slow as it is right now. Right. <laughs> just put things into perspective. Oh my God, that is that just feels awful. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're yeah. over our heads, right? Right. Yeah, we have this this feeling as soon as we get caught up, we're gonna be good. But no, it's everything's moving. But this notion that researchers have figured out how to measure complexity, objectively measure complexity on a scale. You know, there's like a number. Things are creeping more toward higher levels of complexity that is increasing its demand on us cognitively, psychologically emotionally, relationally, the types of problems we're asked to solve every day, the nature of work itself is changing slowly, but surely kind of over time and human beings are finding themselves in situations that demand a different kind of response than than what's worked in the past. Theo Dawson did some amazing research on uh, what she calls the complexity gap. If you can measure the complexity of certain jobs, she went in and did that and found, unsurprisingly, that frontline managers had to contend with the least amount of complexity. And then as you went up the org chart, so did the, the complexity demands. And so the CEO is in the, you know, by far and away the most complex job of all. No surprises there. 
it was like this line chart with a heavy 45 degree slant. And then she also measured the average complexity capacity of the individuals in those jobs on the same scale to sense the extent to which they were able to contend with in a healthy way, the amount of complexity that was demanded of them. And what her research found was, and there's not a lot of research on this, this is early days still for us, but what she found was that frontline manager, they were a pretty good match with the amount of complexity that they had to contend with. But as you went up the org chart, the gap started to get bigger and bigger where people were, as Kagan said, in over their heads. They're being asked to contend with, deal with, solve more complex problems than they can sort of be somewhat clocked at in terms of their psychological, mental, cognitive complexity. And of course, at the top of the house, generally the gap is the biggest, which is a little scary, but that's kind of, you know, one of the biggest things that, that hits me with it, your, your great question there. What are the, some of the biggest leadership challenges you're seeing today? Because this problem isn't getting easier over time. It's getting harder. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What a um, wonderful way to dimensionalize the fact that we are in over our heads. And frankly, as we get higher up into the organizations, we may be even more over our heads. So talk a little bit about what makes a job more complex. Like what are some of the major components that make it complex? Without getting too nerdy on you, there are two different ways you can think about complexity. Some have called that horizontal complexity and vertical complexity. I'm really talking about vertical complexity, and that's things like having to synthesize an increasingly number of diverse perspectives. So for instance, if you are a frontline manager, you've got maybe some team leaders and you're trying to serve some customers or something along those lines, you know, you have two, three, four, I'm making the number up just for reference sake. But, you know, at the under, other end of that spectrum, as a CEO, you've got, you know, thousands of employees, perhaps of a large organization. So think about and to represent a bunch of conflicting perspectives within that to try to reconcile how to invest your resources internally to perform well as an organization. You've got the local community has expectations and demands on you. You have to synthesize that. You've got environmental concerns you have to factor in. You've got stockholders who own share in your company that you need to obviously factor in those perspectives. There's just, it just becomes so, so hard. That's just one dimension of complexity that really we find that your ability to contend with those types of things in a way that people feel really good about and the ability to sort of synthesize demands in those different perspectives in the real world where you have to make hard trade-off decisions when resources are limited, when you never have enough time, you know, when you never have enough people to get done what you need to get done, when you can never meet every customer need, right? How do you still remain competitive? How do you still get things done in a way that doesn't ostracize, that keeps pulling people along? Yeah. So Jimmy, how do the best people do that? So if you think about vertical development, which is what you're talking about. Can you take us through, I know this is the area of your PhD, and you're also a practitioner, which is what I love. I love the fact that you're combining both of these things and you have the ability to test it with real life people at the Home Depot. Can you talk a little bit about as this complexity challenge keeps increasing as you rise up through the organization, what are the growth demands or needs or capacities that are required of leaders? Well, I think some of the best things that I've seen so far about how to deal with that complexity gap, you know, kind of when we're in this zone where we may not fully know the right answers or whatnot, 
you know, there's certain skills that are, that are more important than others to be able to have and refine. The days of the know-all, decide-all leader, like those days are over. And if you're assuming that you can be the leader that knows all for your team, that can decide all for your team, right? You're only going to be able to go so far in your career. You're only be able to lead a certain size of team. But the ability to understand that you can't possibly know it all, the ability to learn how to truly collaborate. You know, we've talked before about this idea that if I have an idea for how we should get something done or solve some sort of a problem, you know, you could look at that and go, well, I'm evaluated on the quality of my ideas and my solutions to real world problems. And so I want to make sure I get credit for that. Well, if I can't possibly know all anymore, right, how good can my solution really be, right? Because my view of the problem is really only a slice of that problem. It's only my perspective. And you can look at it like a hologram maybe from different and see different things, right? And you can see things kind of that I can't. And so I've got an idea, but if I know that that idea is inherently incomplete and it can never be as good as if we were able to synthesize our conflicting perspectives, perhaps your different view of the same problem, and I get your fingerprints on my idea, knowing full well that that's actually going to add value to that and letting go of this notion that, well, is it my idea anymore? If you put your fingerprints on it, what does that mean for my performance? Well, performance may mean an ability to listen, an ability to collaborate, an ability to synthesize diverse perspectives, an ability to actually seek out people who disagree with you, <laughs> right? And share your ideas with them and truly step out of your shoes for a minute, step into their shoes and see what you can learn from someone who disagrees with you and in such a way that becomes generative to sort of new types of solutions. Like those are the types of skills that are becoming increasingly important in this age of not being able to know everything. The world is too complex for human, any human system to really be able to understand it and move all the right chess pieces in the right way, you know, to get predictable results. So what you're really talking to are the core capacities of vertical development. It's not just acquiring a skill, let me go learn how to be a better presenter or let me go learn mm. digital skills. These are true sort of human skills and collaborating and, and letting go of your ego and letting go of assumptions that you've made, perhaps even shifting your mindset. So what you're talking about is really shifting mindset from I have to be the expert and you know my idea is the best to what makes for a great idea is when I get everybody's collaborative fingerprints on this idea. So how do leaders grow vertically? And I imagine that this time of disruption is a time when everything is changing. It creates a lot of what you said, you know, cognitive and emotional overload on top of the stressed out, fast paced, you know, leadership cultures that we're already living in. So how in this environment can we help leaders grow? If you're trying to support someone else's growth developmentally, vertically, you can think about high challenge and high support being both required in sort of ample form. So everyone knows stretch assignments and being challenged is one of the secrets to growth. You know, no one ever really grew from their comfort zone. What sometimes doesn't get enough airtime is that people really grow so much better and healthier when they're in a supportive kind of a great relationship with someone. So a coach like yourself or someone who's not just challenging them, but also their cheerleader and supporting them along the way and sort of understanding that uh, this is kind of not that easy. So not just cracking the whip, you know, all the time. 
all of us know what it's like to be challenged but not supported. That doesn't feel very good. And all of us know what it's like to be supported but not challenged, right? So you need a lot of both. And if you're a boss, if you're a manager, if you're a leader of a team, think about the extent to which you tend to over-index on one or the other and figure out how you can try to be strong in both of those areas because it requires different approaches, different mindsets. There are a few things also that can kind of work wherever you are on that spectrum. At Home Depot, we have a little cycle that, that we've tried to make this pretty simple for others. We call it do, discuss, document. So the do means do hard things. Do things that are really hard for you, things that you don't know how to do yet, things that you've never done before, things that you're likely to make mistakes. Really sort of pushing the edge of your capability by tackling really tough things that are a little scary sometimes. You don't know how to do it, so why would you even try? And there's some risk there, obviously. So doing hard things is a key. That's the challenge piece. And then discussing, discussing with others, not just to share what you're learning, but also to get their fingerprints on your ideas, to hear their perspectives on what you're learning, because they may have learned something different, but related, and that you can also benefit from. And that can become an accelerant to your development as well as theirs. So entering into sort of this authentic dialogue with people as you're doing hard things, that helps a whole lot too. this interpersonal piece of it as well because you're gonna be exposed to perspectives other than your own, and you wanna seek those out. And then the last thing is in the do, discuss, document cycle. The document means capture what you're learning, write it down, your insights, your struggles, your lessons learned. When you hear other perspectives that don't necessarily agree with your own, sometimes those are really, really good to reflect on and go, why was I triggered by that? Why was I put off by that? Why did that make me angry? I don't see why that's so important to the other person. What can I learn from that? And so really taking the time to sort of jot that stuff down to just this sort of deep state of reflection and the science of actually getting stuff out of your head onto paper, whether it's with a pen or a keyboard, just a lot of science there around how that tends to solidify this unique kind of learning. Doing hard things, discussing with other people to gain their perspectives that are different from yours, and then really thinking deeply about all that stuff and capturing insights and lessons learned in this regular cycle you could do many cycles in a given week, right? You can build these kinds of habits. And what we find is that that becomes quite a nice push developmentally for most leaders. Yeah, I love the, this notion that can also, that you can actually make this sort of a cycle that you can repeat um, every week. Yeah. So many of us as leaders are so pressed for time, right? And particularly now, I feel like people are so burnt out. You know, we're just cognitively overloaded. I remember at one point you and I were chatting and, and you were sharing that there are some things that you, I think you called it zero time actions. <laughs> uh, was it that? I, I can't remember what you called it, but it was this notion that, you know, a big challenge in people's heads, right? Big barrier is I don't have time to go do something different. If this is going to take time, behavior change takes time. And I remember you and I talking about this notion of kind of zero time. <laughs> so talk a yeah, little yeah. bit about that. And, and I think there was, that was something so powerful. Yeah. I don't remember us discussing that. It's great that it stuck with you. I guess it's, it's good to talk about here. Yeah. It's called a zero minute task. And if you think about, almost all developmental activity, you know, can sort of be reduced down to a task of some kind, whether it's as simple as reading a book or taking on a new project. Examples of zero minute tasks that we've used in our programs here. One is a lot of leaders are in a lot of meetings 
you know, kind of most days. And if you're going to be in the meeting anyway, here's one thing that we've found that can work really, really well for beginning to sort of flex these kinds of muscles that we're talking about interpersonally is when you're in a meeting, take notes, mental notes, most likely, of what people are probably thinking and feeling but not saying. For some leaders, they do that intuitively, naturally. It's not a challenge for them to do that. But for others, it really gets them out of their skin in a way that can be even uncomfortable. It could be a very difficult task for a lot of leaders to sort of try to think about what is Henna thinking about or feeling right now that she's not expressing to me right now? Is there anything? Is there a difference between what Henna just said and what Henna actually means? Right, that's a different kind of a listening than a lot of leaders are in most of the time. And if you're not used to flexing that muscle, it can be exhausting. You know, mm -hmm. you can have trouble focusing on what the meeting's all about, you know? And so yeah. but that's an example of a zero minute task. You're gonna be in the meeting anyway, and you're flexing some developmental muscles here that can help you get better. Challenging yourself to think about how can you leverage real work and the kind of stuff you're already doing to be developmentally stretching or informative or healthy. Another one that I've seen do, and this was, this was one of the ideas out of Kagan's book about developmentally, deliberately developmental organizations. If somebody's gonna be presenting at a meeting, which is common, before they present, they can declare what it is they're trying to work on as far as their presentation skills. Let the group know what you're trying to work on and then do your thing just as you normally would and then ask for feedback either in the moment or later after feedback, you know, via email or something like that. But you're baking development into the normal course of work. And I love that. It requires so much humility though, does it not? Because now you're, you know, admitting to a group of peers, right. gosh, right. I'm not the expert, you know, and uh, that in itself, I think is such a, a great developmental move, right? Is, is to be able to develop your own humility and to also impact the culture in a way that says, it's okay, we're all learning and we're all human and I value getting feedback. Right, right. Yeah, beautiful. You know, we have so many people right now who are unemployed, mm. millions, some who don't know as their organizations flex, is this disruption as we talked is gonna stay and organizations will change business models. And so there might be some anxiety around, am I still going to be employable? Do I need to rethink my career? And so what advice do you have for folks to learn how to learn or grow in areas so that they can feel prepared to be in this world of disruption that we're going to be in? Yeah. Gosh, there's so many different ways we could answer that, right? I think that's a, just a, such a big question that it would feel incomplete to answer it really kind of in any one way. So I'll just sort of react to what's bubbling up in me right now is, as you ask that question, you know, this, since you tied it to employment and potentially furloughed, people being furloughed or the threat of uh, having to find new work or something along those lines, you know, this idea that, you know, people get hired to solve problems. And such a simple statement, but if you think about that, you know, you go, well, what kind of problems do I really know how to solve well? And does that line up with the problems at the top of the priority list for a hiring manager that 
I would like to, you know, for a job I'd like to get. What kind of problems exist today? And so one of my like career development pieces of advice for people that, that um, are currently employed is to say, do you know what your boss's performance objectives are? Like, what does their boss hold them accountable for? How do they know they're doing a good job or not? Can you articulate the performance objectives, the real performance objectives of your boss as well or better than they can? That's a high bar, but it's kind of a good thing to shoot for as an employee. But you can go even higher. Like, what about your boss's boss? What about the senior vice president, you know, in your reporting chain? What does success look like for them? To what extent can you get clarity about that? Can you really get to a place where you can articulate their objectives as well or better than they can? That can be useful information in terms of understanding what kind of problems are at the top of their priority list. And once you get that kind of a clarity, you're going to find a couple things that might be encouraging. Oh boy, like I know how to do that. And nobody's working. And so that's where you can begin to sort of take initiative and position yourself as a solution to the problems at the top of some hiring manager's list. And this idea of sort of getting out of your own skin, getting out of your own resume, and getting into the world of somebody one or two or three clicks above you in some org chart, whether it's the org chart you're in or the org chart you want to be in, is get a clearer sense of what kind of problems they need solved, and then try to find those connection points that align with the kind of services you know how to provide, the kind of problems you know how to solve. When you can find that matchup, instantly you become more attractive in the marketplace. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love how you put that from the perspective of the stakeholders, right? It's getting out of your own head and getting into the head and the shoes of, of your stakeholders. And I like that helicopter view. Your helicopter pilot training really <laughs> helped out there, Jimmy. <laughs> Little did you know you were preparing yourself <laughs> at the time, right? We all have these mosaic of skills that we pick up, right? along our careers. And so uh, almost, uh, I love this notion of doing that. And there's so many people that don't feel confident right now, right? Because of anxiety and all of these things. What is your advice for helping people discover what their real strengths are? How can they be really grounded in feeling good about the fact that they got this, right? That they're able to, to be effective and know how to solve problems, to be really confident in their strengths. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's the kind of question I, I would love to hear your answer on. Honestly, you're the master coach here. But since you're interviewing me, <laughs> I guess I'm obligated to answer specifically around like my own strengths. That's where it really, really helps to get feedback. If you really want to fast track that, find a good assessment, find a good coach, or sometimes just study the strengths of other people and you can sort of compare that against your own, but I, I think you probably have your own sort of tools for doing that. One, one that I have really liked a lot is the StrengthsFinder tool, a very StrengthsFinder 2.0, very common way for people, really inexpensive type of an assessment to get some immediate feedback on what, out of a, out of a fuller range of, I don't know how many strengths there are, 30 or something. Yes. Um, like, you know, what are my top five and how might that translate into how I engage in my work? How can I sh shape the projects that I'm on or the type of work that I do, even within my current title, my current job, to play to my strengths more and more every day? But you can't really do that unless you know what they are and you have some confidence about that. 
Beautiful. Well, Jimmy, I uh, always enjoy having these conversations with you and always love how you light up when you're talking about developing and growing people. You've truly, truly found your calling and it's wonderful to see it in action here on this call. How do people get a hold of you to uh, learn from your wisdom? Do you want them get to get a hold of you or not? <laughs> <laughs> you might get a flood of calls. So how do people sort of learn about your work? I'd be happy to share any of this stuff. So if you wanted to get a hold of me, my personal email is uh, jimmyparker4 at gmail.com. And so would, would be happy to receive uh, a note there. And, um, and if you have any questions you want to follow up, I'd be delighted to hear from you. Thank you so much for your time, Jimmy. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. This is your host, Hannah Anam. Please rate, comment, and share our podcasts with those you care about. Be the leader who helps others grow and thrive in times of disruption. You can visit our website at www.transformleaders.tv. There, you'll find other great tools to grow your leadership and be a force for good in these times. Until the next time, my friends.